You are listening to Figuring Shit Out with Dr. Nikki Naradin, episode three. Hey, 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 it's Dr. Nikki here, your bonus mama, Jenna's plus 30, trying to help you figure shit out. And I always like to start these episodes with the young adult commitment. And this is something that we could actually live our lives by. I'd love you to write it down. I'd love you to read it all the time. But this is a possibility and this is what we're going for. And you have to live your life as if you're already there and then you'll move towards it. And I'll tell you why in a little while. But the young adult commitment is, I joyfully promise from this moment on to never give up on my dreams and goals. I choose to remember always that the whole world is mine to explore and I need never be alone in figuring it out and making it just right. That I was born worthy and lovable without conditions. And this is a pretty awesome commitment. Can you imagine never giving up on your goals and dreams? This is a lifelong process. This isn't just something that we do in our 20s. It just seems that when we're young and until the age of 30, most of what we're doing is looking forward, looking at what we want to do in the future, looking who we want to be with, looking what kind of job we want to have, looking at the possible passions and goals, looking to live some kind of dream and fantasy. There's a little bit of slack for it. And then above the age of 30, you start looking back. You start deciding that somehow you maybe haven't achieved enough. You look back with a certain kind of regret. You look back at a time and decide that that was a better time, that was an easier time, that was a time that was good for you. And somehow we don't see the times in front. So this is an exciting time for us because most of society will still give you the option to look forward, that there is still a possibility for you to live your hopes and dreams, to go after your goals to choose to explore the world in a certain way rather than feel obligated to the world. And then also this idea of never being alone to figure it out. We at that point are somehow much more open to making new friends. There are different junctures where we can make it, but up to that point, you could probably make it through work, through different types of social groups that you're involved in. There's a way in which we're making friends, probably to figure out who you want to be with, but also how to pair up in the future. But there's still that possibility of not being alone and that you're born lovable and worthy from the moment you were born. And when you think about how incredibly miraculous it was that you were born, it's almost mind-boggling going through all the generations from beginning of time to get to you. Making sure that every person that died, every major catastrophe that happened was not part of your lineage. To know that each month there is a new egg that drops out of the many, 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 many egg. And there's a new sperm that happens out of the billions of sperms. And the two that met happened to meet for you. It, it, it's mind boggling. It's one in a trillion. So you are an incredible miracle and that you're born with this worthiness that you have when you look at a newborn baby and you say, that baby has to do nothing for me to love it fully, to love that baby up. And that's true for you too. 
you have to do nothing to be worthy and deserving of love. So there are a couple of things that I think we should probably do together, which is going to be really awesome. I've been doing the Course in Miracles, and I don't know if anybody has ever heard of the Course in Miracles, but basically it was written by a Columbia professor who felt like the trajectory of whatever was happening in the world was not going in a good direction, that people were not figuring out how to take care of their own minds, that everything else somehow dictated what it is that you were feeling at every moment. And they're kind of giving you the method or the practice of how to think about things. And it's kind of an interesting thing, like the idea of a miracle, that the miracle doesn't have to be big, that the miracle could be a tiny little thing that you notice, some form of kindness that you've seen, some way in which the light hits that you can tell something about. And so I'm just going to read a couple of principles of miracles, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Some of them are all expressions of love are miracles. Miracles as such do not matter. The only thing that matters is their source, which is far beyond evaluation. So you don't even have to know where it's coming from. Something good's happening. If you can notice it, it is a miracle. Miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. The real miracle is the love that inspires them. In this sense, everything that comes from love is a miracle. All miracles mean life and God. And now I use the word God in a very particular way because I believe in a spiritual higher power, but I don't believe in God in the sense of some little old man with a walking stick and a long beard and a mustache hanging on the Sistine Chapel. That is not the way I look at it, but I think of it and I use it as an acronym as the generating, organizing, and delivering power of the universe. It is the way in which the universe continues no matter what we do, the way in which we rotate on an axis, the sun comes up and goes down, the moon comes up, we see the galaxies in front of us, the flowers will come in the spring, the leaves will fall in the fall. All of that is somehow powered by the rhythm of some power that we have no understanding of, that there is some energy that we don't quite understand and that we might take for granted or might not, but that's the way I think of it. And that this kind of powerful force is what propels us and everything forward and also creates the miracles of our daily life. Miracles are habits and should be involuntary. They should not be under conscious control. Consciously selected miracles can be misguided. So where we decide we're doing something fantastically miraculous and have expectations of it, maybe could be misguided or maybe not. Uh, Miracles are natural. When they do not occur, something has gone wrong. And that miracles are everyone's right that we all get to envision miracles as we see them. Now, the first lesson in the Course of Miracles, and so remember that these lessons are just ways in which 
we are starting to look at things differently. So the idea is that nothing in some ways is as it seems. And the reason why we know that this is probably true is because everybody sees everything completely differently. And that's all based on their experiences, based on their own biology, based on how they grew up, based on society, and so on. So if you can take the idea that nothing is as it seems or nothing is completely real, that means there's some flexibility to figure out how to change something. And so I'm just going to read you the first lesson. And what I want you to do is to just consider doing this without thinking about it too much, without using that kind of scientific part of your brain, without the part of the brain that needs things explained and understood in a very particular way, because there are so many things that are just non-explanatory. And I'm doing this too. I mean, I am a scientist. I'm a doctor, although my kids definitely don't think I'm a real doctor. And part of the reason why they don't think I'm a real doctor is because I never took them to a doctor and I also never gave them a medicine. So every time they were sick with something, like, you know, let's say my daughter had a headache, I wasn't like running to pull out the Tylenol. I was basically sitting there doing some acupressure on her and rubbing her head. And, you know, I'm able to do acupuncture and so I'll do that. Or maybe I'll pull out something else. Like there was just a way in which I felt like, like I could do other things and that I was continuously trying to do other things in order to relieve pain and suffering. Um, and I do that in my daily practice. I'm a doctor, a family doctor. I work in remote Alaska. I see extremely marginalized people in very harsh conditions. And really what I'm trying to offer them is full healing and not only in the traditional allopathic way where I'm giving medications for things that are significantly wrong. I'll do that. No problem. But that is the easiest thing I do. But to treat those things that are not explainable. And again, like what we can't explain, what I can't understand through science, you know, most of the psychiatric diagnoses, depression, anxiety, all of it. Uh, a lot of these weird autoimmune things going on, like tons of things that I cannot explain, but I'm also certified in homeopathy and I am getting certified in acupuncture and I do a lot of acupuncture and I am a plant-based nutritionist. And so I am trying to figure out how to combine all of this so that people can live their best lives possible. So the first, and I'll just go through this really quickly, the first lesson in the Course of Miracles, and I want you guys to do this and do it slowly, like, you know, maybe two minutes twice a day to begin with, because I think a habit is something that you just continue to do, but it doesn't have to be done in a certain way. So if you decide that you want to be a person who meditates, you could be a person who meditates for half a minute a day, and you're still that person who meditates, and you're still doing it exactly right in the way you want to meditate, and you still get the benefit of it. So that idea about the way something should be and imagining if it isn't that way, us not being able to do that just kind of shoots us in the foot. Like it doesn't help us at all. So you get to create whatever you decide is good for you and helpful for you and what you can do and then continue to practice that. It, it's a beautiful thing. So lesson one here, and they do a lesson a day for 365 days. Maybe I can sit and post one every day is nothing I see in this room 
or on the street or from the window or in this place means anything. And you're supposed to slowly look around and practice applying that idea very specifically for whatever you see. Table does not mean anything. The chair does not mean anything. The hand or my hand doesn't mean anything. The foot does not mean anything. The pen doesn't mean anything. Even look further away and decide that. Now, you're placing equal importance to everything because you're not judging what is important, what means something, or what doesn't mean something. That's the idea, is that we can't judge and decide what means something or doesn't mean something because all of that is so incredibly personal. You'll notice that some people think that what's important to you doesn't mean anything, yet you believe it means something. So if we can rid ourselves of the idea and take it as a possibility, that anything really doesn't mean anything at all, or that you can't tell what it is, then that would somehow start your brain from moving it away from deciding all of the importance that we give to so many things around us. For whatever reason, we give it the importance. And often we're giving it importance to the detriment and the judgment of ourselves. And that's where you get to start to switch things. So use that idea, practice it, I would probably say five minutes twice a day for today and then see what happens. And then maybe what we'll do is we'll go through like each of the lessons once a day and and see if people can come along with me. Now I'm like on lesson 98, I'm moving along. Originally I was just doing this on the plane ride from Nome, Alaska to New York. So I'm four weeks on, four weeks off and I'm in Nome the other times. But when you're only flying once a month, you don't really get through the lessons that quickly. So because I thought it was really important that I figure out how to create the most unjudgmental, unbiased ability to really, really heal and help people, because most of my judgment and bias comes from places that aren't even my own, then I wasn't going to be able to help them. So this is part of that. So the thing I was going to talk about today, I got off on quite the tangent, and I'm trying to not make these episodes more than 20 minutes, is I was going to talk about feelings. Feelings. I don't know. I always feel like saying that whenever I say that, you know, but I'm going to do it anyway. Nothing more than feelings is is really to be honest with you, just a vibration in your body. And it's been proven to be a vibration. They have done scientific experiments to see what the vibratory frequencies of these feelings are. So you've got a separation of vibratory frequencies. Here is my science nerdiness coming out, but enlightenment is the highest. It's like 700 megahertz and then peace, joy, love, reason, acceptance. I'm going down the list to the low level frequencies. Hello, can you go? So I'm acceptance, willingness, neutrality. That's interesting. Neutrality has a frequency to to feel nothing or to not allow yourself to feel anything or to have no opinion about it, which is probably what is meant here, is still like 250 megahertz or something like that. Courage, a little bit below neutrality, pride. Now we're getting really low. Anger. Desire, desire. Oh, desire is low. That's so interesting. You would think desire might be high, but I guess it depends on what you're desiring. Fear, get lower, grief, apathy, 
apathy is low down there for you to feel nothing. You are creating a low vibratory frequency and your energy is low and you will attract that low vibratory frequency, other people around you and things around you. Guilt. And then the last one is shame. So it's interesting that anger is above guilt and shame. Why we have those emotions. Those are the most indulgent, useless emotions. And if you believe that we do anything consistently, happily, with excitement and verb and cooperation coming from guilt and shame, you are completely wrong. You might do it for a little while, but man, you are going to feel like shit. All right. So the reason why I'm telling you about these vibrations, you know, and there's so many ways we can go here is because if a feeling is a vibration in your body, then why are we so scared of it? And the reason why we're so scared of it is because the fear, which is one of those kind of mid-level vibratory things, a little bit lower than mid-level, is something that probably protected us and something that helped us through times when we needed protection in that way. And we don't need protection. So now we have all of these vibrations and emotions that affect us. And if you've got a low frequency emotion, it doesn't feel very good. It feels pretty bad. And so we do everything we can to not feel those feelings. And part of the problem with doing everything you can to not feel those feelings is you're doing other things that are really bad for you. You're buffering away those feelings. You're drinking and smoking and having sex and watching a lot of Netflix and being on social media a lot. And so you are doing more things that hurt you so that you don't feel those negative emotions. Now, the negative emotions just come from our thoughts. So remember we thought we talked about thoughts last week where, you know, thoughts are something that's flexible in a way. Well, the thought is what creates the feeling. Okay. So if your thought, if your feeling is shame, then you have to have a thought like I'm so disgusting, or I can't believe that I disappointed people or whatever it is, but there has to be a thought that always comes before the feeling, which again is so incredibly hopeful because we do have some flexibility in the thought. And once we can figure out how to change the thought, then we can change the feeling. But the part that I want us to get to now is just to feel the feeling. So there are many things we can do with the feeling. We can either respond to a feeling, we can react to a feeling, we can avoid feeling, or we can allow a feeling. Now, if it is a vibration in our body, it is not going to kill us. Even the worst panic attacks, even the places where we feel so bad and so scared will not kill us. And that's really, really great because if for a moment we can consider to allow ourselves to feel that feeling fully, and I'll be honest with you, you want to feel negative feelings. You don't want to just make them go away. There are things that happen in the world that you don't want to be happy about. There are people that leave and come and go that you want to mourn for. So being able to allow your feelings to happen without worrying that anything has gone wrong is an incredible ability. And it is an ability that will allow you to do anything. So if you eventually can allow yourself to feel shame, the lowest of low frequency emotions fully, 
And when I mean fully, what I mean is that you feel the vibration, you feel where it is in your body, you imagine what color it is, you imagine what shape it is, you imagine how fast or how slow it goes, you imagine what it would say to you, you imagine what you would say to it, and then you let it process through you. And once you can feel an experience of feeling fully and know that you have not died and know that you have gotten to the other side and know that they are caused by your thoughts, then my friend, you have the key to the castle. You can do anything. And this is so doable once we're not scared of our feelings. So I'm going to write in the show notes, the different way to process the feelings. I want you guys, if you can, to start developing a morning routine, a morning routine, maybe with a couple of minutes going through that course in miracles and meditating on that. Definitely a morning routine with writing down all your thoughts, uncensored, just writing, writing, writing for however long you want, one to five minutes. That morning routine doesn't have to take more than five minutes. But once you write down your thoughts and then you identify the feeling that's associated with the thought, I want you to really allow that feeling to happen and then write everything related to it. And once you watch that feeling from an outside perspective, from an objective perspective where you're not yourself in it, living through it, feeling it so fully, being terrified by it, trying to run away from it, but rather just watching it almost like a movie, it will have absolutely no hold on you. You will rule and reign over this damn feeling. And I know you can do it. It's doable and it's doable fairly quickly. And once you do it once and you know that you can do it, you can always do it again. All right. That's what I got for you, my lovely 21 to 30 year olds. I know you're trying to figure shit out. I am here. Your bonus mama is here. If you want to talk with me, please get in touch with me at Nikki at drnikkinaridan.com. I will definitely answer your questions. If you want to work with me, get in touch with me. I'm in the middle of writing an ebook that should really, really help with things. And just know that you are not alone and that I love you. And as we go along in this process, we will figure out how to get so many people in there with you as well. All right. Love you.